0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy! Before I was a, a pastor or camp speaker or anything like that, um, there was a time where I was fighting being woven into that tapestry. Fighting Jesus using me in any way and even fighting His reality and existence. That's pretty crazy to think about looking back now because God occupies so much of my time. (laughs) Like he's, he's who I think about a lot. And, and we've been talking about him being that weaver, but he's not just the weaver. He's, he's the king. He's, he's in charge of commissioning the artwork in the first place. And the scripture we're going to look at tonight talks about how you can be in this tapestry and not fight it, and to be part of this beautiful masterpiece that he's creating. I had a bunch of pictures and a, something I was going to show you, and this afternoon as I was just kind of thinking about tonight, praying about tonight, I felt like God had a couple of different ideas, and I don't often share how I came To Christ, but this is like one of those moments where maybe it will speak to you. Maybe you're that person who's gone through some stuff where you are actually angry at God. Around 13 years old, my grandfather died, and we were like super close. And I, in childlike faith, sat by the telephone. Used to sit by telephones. They were like tethered to the wall. Okay. So just imagine a different time. (laughs) There it is. Anyways, I sat by it and my dad came in the room and asked me why I was sitting by the phone. And I honestly believed that because what I had heard about in the Bible growing up, I believed it to be true, even though I didn't have, I hadn't put my faith or trust in Jesus. I believed I had prayed in my room and then I went and sat by this phone in our living room And I honestly believed it was going to ring and somebody was going to tell us that my grandfather was alive again. And when I told my dad that, he looked at me with disbelief and said, yeah, that's not really the way God works. And it infuriated me. I was like, what do you mean that's not how God works? How can God raise Jesus from the dead and Lazarus and all these people in the Bible and you're telling me he just doesn't do that anymore? Oh, it made me so angry. Nobody ever called, by the way, in case you were thinking the story was going that route. (laughs) My grandfather stayed dead. And I went on a several-year journey where I was so angry at God that I would tell him every night that he wasn't real, which is an odd thing to do, by the way. If you believe somebody's not real, you don't tell them they're not real. You don't talk to fictional beings, right? So deep down in my heart, I knew he was real, but I was angry at him. And this is around the time when I hit middle school, this is after the Corey story and everything, when I hit middle school, I realized I can think really fast on my feet. And so people in middle school, it's kind of a bad idea, actually, middle school. Everybody's going through awkward changes, and the girls are 10 feet taller than the boys, and and we're starting to produce pepperoni pizza with stuffed crust on our face, that's acne, and all this weird stuff, and our voices are cracking, and, and we put everybody in the same classes so they can point it out. And then we're like pointing out each other's deficiencies and then we're feeling awkward about it and then we're bullying each other. And that's just supposed to be normal. And some people said something to me. And I remember this guy said something to me in the cafeteria one day and I said something back and I don't remember exactly what I said, but I remember he started tearing up and it would just, it just came to me. And I was like, at first I was like, Oh crap. Like (laughs) I'm going to be in trouble. You know, like somebody's going to come over here and then everybody starts going, Oh, And it felt so good. Like, honestly, let me just give you a tip about bullying for a second. If nobody would laugh at what a bully says to somebody, it'd get really old to the bully real quick. I thrived off of that. So I said something else. And again, people went, oh, and everything. And I just started doing that. I started making fun of people on a regular basis. I would look at you and size you up and think about something I could make fun of and then say it. And it's so foreign to me now because when I look out over you now, I don't see that. Like it's been so long since I thought that way that I don't see these weird things about you that can be made fun of. I see like there's real beauty here in the differences that we have. They're all woven into that tapestry. And things I thought were mistakes were actually like artistic signatures of God. And there were these two kids, Kevin and Stephanie, and I kind of alluded to them the other day. I said there was a few people when I was a bully that thought about taking their lives. These were those two kids. I relentlessly went after these two kids over and over again. At least Stephanie could get away from me and go in the bathroom or something. I'd follow Kevin into the locker room just to make fun of him, and everybody would gather around and everything. And, and it, it's, like, it's like it plays like a movie in my head sometimes, and I think, what a jerk. Somebody needs to punch that tall guy. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was me. And I was six foot by seventh grade, so I was, a, I was already kind of an imposing guy. I was skinny, but I was, you know, six foot. And I remember running my mouth to somebody in the grade above me. I was a seventh grader ran my mouth to the wrong eighth grader, and he punched me in the face. And I was like, oh, yeah. So this is how it's going to go. If I say something back and they can't think of anything, they're just going to hit me. That's not a good idea. So I made friends with two really big kids. Matt was probably like I, feel like, I feel like he was five by five by five. I mean, he was like a short kid, but he was a big kid. He was like 210 pounds in the seventh grade. I know that, because they used to read it out loud when we did the presidential fitness thing. We, like, lean forward. They're like, okay, Matt, on the scale, 210. Like, the, they had no, <laughs> there was no discretion at all with the PE teachers back there. they like, you can stand to use a fl- lose a few, tummy. You know, they would step off. I mean, they were just ruthless back then. Then Clint, he was about six foot as well, but he was 240 pounds. Again, I know that from the scale. And so I made friends with these two guys, and they didn't mind fighting. They didn't mind. Like, I could run my mouth, and somebody would be like, oh, yeah, and they'd step, step up, and then Matt and Clint would be like, yeah, what are you going to do? And I'm like, yeah, what are you going to do? Look at these big boys. They're with me. You know, like, and I knew that nobody would do anything about it because I had these two guys, and I recognize telling you this, some of you guys probably, have probably been relentlessly bullied, and you're even probably thinking of me different now. Like, you know, I kind of liked this speaker before, but was he really that big of a jerk? Like, I, I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I like that. (laughs) Like, I know I don't like it, looking back. Well, one day, Matt comes up to me, and this was on a Monday, and he had gone on a little retreat, kind of like this, but it was during the school year. And he said, hey, uh, Nate, I went to a retreat with my church over the weekend, and somebody was talking about how you can be made new in Christ. And I'd heard this my whole life. I went to church and stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know about that. And he's like, well, I gave my life to Jesus. And I really don't want to fight anymore. And I don't want to be making fun of people. I, I want to be your friend, but I don't want to do that stuff. And I was like, I remember putting my hand on his shoulder and being like, ma, meh, nah, it's okay. I've seen this before. You're excited now, but you'll calm down. It'll be okay. Like I see people make commitments to Jesus all the time it doesn't last. That was kind of my experience, seeing people make these commitments and then seeing them live just like me later on. And Matt goes, no, I'm serious about it. I'm serious. So a couple weeks after that, there were these two kids in the grade above us, Ricky and Randy. I, I I know they both have R's in front of their name. Maybe that's how they became friends. Who knows? But Ricky and Randy, they were always two kids who wouldn't take anything from us. And they were kind of the bullies in their grade. And whenever we'd mess with them, Like, we would try to, it would always end in, like, a draw, or they would challenge us, and we'd be like, yeah, whatever, man. we always, like, talk smack to each other and try not to get in an actual fight with them because uh, Randy was known for wearing his dad's college ring. Like, he had string around it so it would fit, and he would hit people with that thing. It had, like, an embossed eagle from some community college, and he would leave little eagle prints on people, and nobody wanted an eagle print. And so I'm out of class. Class has already started. I'm running a little bit late. My lockers are here. And I look right down because I hear some commotion in the elective hallway. We had this elective hallway where they had band and they had the wood shop, and they had um, the art room. And nobody was in those because the electives were at the end of the day. So I'm looking down this hallway and I see my friend Matt, who's also not in class yet, the one who said he gave his life to Jesus. And he's standing with Randy, the kid with the eagle ring. And Randy is like, I mean, he's been waiting to get Matt alone for a while, and he's over here kind of dancing around like this. He's like, What you got, Matt? What you got? Come on, what you got? What you got? And I'm thinking, what you got? That's the same line, like six times, dude. Like, so I'm watching this to see what'll happen because Matt has not been making fun of people. He's not been like, he would like walk down the hallway before. And if somebody was too close to their locker, he would just give them a little push. And they would hit their locker with their head real quick. And he'd be like, ha ha, and keep going. I mean, he was like not a nice kid. And I hadn't seen him do any of that for a couple weeks. And Matt looks at Randy just kind of puts his arms down and says, look, man, I'm not going to fight you. I know Jesus now. And I was thinking to myself, "Uh -uh, wrong answer. He's going to get Jesus knocked right out of him. And Randy hauled off and punched him right in the face. And when you're 210 pounds in the seventh grade and you get punched in the face, it leaves a mark, right? It starts just kind of looking bad from where he was. And with tears in his eyes, he looks again and says, I'm not going to fight you. And he punches him again, almost in the exact same spot. I know he's going to have some talons or a wing or something on his face later. And it made me angry. One, it made me angry that Matt wasn't fighting back because he could take Randy. Two, it made me angry that he hit him twice when he wouldn't fight back. Something about that just seemed wrong to me. And I remember crashing into Randy saying, I'll fight you. And it's weird because there's like a glitch in my memory here because I don't remember going, I don't remember crawling. I don't remember running backwards, skipping high knees. I just remember I was here watching and then we crashed into each other. So I don't know how fast I was going or if you saw me coming or anything. But we hit the ground and we're scrapping on the ground in this hallway, this elective hallway, but nobody's going to come down for at least until the next bell, but definitely not until fifth or sixth period. Nobody needs to even go through there. And here we are just wrestling on the ground. I look up and see my friend Matt. He's standing like this watching me. And it kind of made me mad. Like, dude, get a kick in there. Like, get a kick in, do something. Step on him. Like, just step on his hand. You know, do something. And we get to the point, if you've ever seen middle school boys fight, (laughs) So we both probably were losing, but we both had to act like we won. So we we finally push off. I'm like, whatever, man, I'll let you go this time. And he's like, I don't ever want to see you in this hallway again. You know, and we both leave like we won. Girls are not the same way. Like girls are like, "Ah," hairs coming out and everything. And so as, as fathers, we tell our boys, we're like, don't you ever hit a girl. And we act like it's because we want them to be chivalrous and polite, but it's really for their own good. We want them to live, all right, because the girl will mess you up. Anyway, so, so we, leave, we leave the hallway, and I turn around to Matt, and I'm like, Matt, what was that? Dude, I'm, like, getting beat up on the ground. You're just standing there. And Matt looks at me, and I'll never forget this. He said, you remember a couple weeks ago when I told you I gave my life to Jesus? I was like, Yeah. He's like, I know you heard me tell Randy a few moments ago because I could see you out of the corner of my eye. I meant it. And he just turned and he walked to the edge of the hallway. There is a spider web that has been going like this for like a while. I have to get that out of the way. Have you been looking at it? Isn't it annoying? Anyway, there's still more. Hold on. Okay. Okay. Oh, gosh. I've been seeing it out of the corner of my eye this whole time. Like, mm. My ADD was like, okay, anyways, that'd be cool if it was strong enough to swing on. you like, go around the pole. (laughs) If I was an ant, I'd be trapped forever for trying to remove it for you. Um, Matt turns, he goes up the staircase. And for the first time in my life, I was yelling things at Matt, cussing him out, talking about his mom, anything I could think of to try to get him to turn around because it was infuriating to me that he hadn't helped me. It was infuriating to me that this thing about Jesus might be real because if Jesus can really change somebody's life, I have to actually think about that. I have to actually think about where I am with God and I didn't want to think about that. Well, a few weeks after that, Matt's walking out of the principal's office and he's crying. And my first thought wasn't like, oh, my poor friend. it was like, yes, what did he do? You got in trouble, like he's back. It would validate it, like my my thoughts about Jesus not being real. And he was like, I'm getting kicked out of school. And I was like, Whoa, when you when you come back, you really come back. And he said, No, no. In the first semester, I had two out-of-school suspensions, and I had two in-school suspensions and three detentions. So here's what's weird about that. Three detentions should have triggered another in-school suspension which would have triggered his third in-school suspension, which would have automatically given him an out-of-school suspension. That's how our school worked. And if you have three of those, you're expelled. So they, they overlooked this one thing in the system, and as they were looking at the records, they found out that Matt was actually supposed to be kicked out of school. He was getting kicked out of school for stuff he did in the first semester. So I went in, I was arguing with the principal, on Matt's behalf. I'm like, you can't kick Matt out of school. Matt's not even the same kid he was anymore. She's like, he did this and this and this. I'm like, no, seriously, Miss Gillette, you can't kick him out of school. Matt's like Jesus. And I was like, I didn't mean to say that. But I did say it because it's what I was thinking. Because this whole time where I was trying to say Jesus wasn't real, every time I would think that, I would think about Matt standing in the hallway taking a couple punches at the face. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I went to a Christian camp, much like the one you're in right now, after my ninth grade year, after Matt had been gone for a year and a half from school. He was in another school now. And I'd just still been doing my own thing, making fun of people, all this stuff. And I went to this Christian camp because somebody told me there were pretty girls there. And they were right. And by Monday night, I was holding hands with a girl from Florida. (laughs) I was like... We're not married now or anything. But that's the reason I went. And, like, and God had other plans. And slowly through the week, as I'm hearing this guy up here talk, and then they brought in a special speaker for Thursday night. It was a completely different guy. This guy talked about bullying. And I got really angry. I was kind of glaring down at the youth pastor I had traveled there with, thinking, ah, oh, this was a trap. He got some of the kids to invite me to this camp so that they could tell the speaker that I'm a bully and they could, but that's not what happened. That guy probably had no idea who I was. It made me angry and so I didn't show up for curfew, which is always a bad thing. And when I walked in at 3 a.m. and it was at 11 uh, 11 p.m. curfew, I saw my leader, John, he's laying on the ground with the kid, John Paul, who invited me and another kid named Richard that became one of my good friends after this. Laying on the ground praying for me. And now, 20 years into youth ministry, I'm like, they should have been looking for me while they prayed. Like, what do do you, I could be dead. Anyway, so it made me angry that they were praying for me. I slipped off my shoes. It was a carpeted cabin. And so I walked quietly by them, opened the door to my room, slowly closed it, let go of the knob got in my bed and thought, if they're going to pray for me, they're going to have to do it all night. And it was the last time I've ever told God he wasn't real. With tears in my eyes, I was going to bed. I was angry about the bullying comments that the guy was talking about and angry that I am actually the person he was talking about, even though he didn't know me. Like, I was just angry in general at how I got to this point in my life. And I told God, you are not real And it was as if God said something out loud, but had he said something out loud, it would have been actually louder than it actually was. Excuse me. It would have been not as loud as it actually was. It was so so real to me in my mind and in my heart. I felt like God was saying to me, you have already seen me. Then I saw Matt again in the hallway, taking a couple punches to the face. And Jesus didn't have a beard and long hair and sandals and the robe. He was this... 210-pound seventh-grade boy who has miraculously changed from the inside out in the way he acted towards people. That wasn't a natural response, especially if you're bigger than the other person and you could take him out. It wasn't like he was afraid to fight back. There was something else in him that kept him from doing it. And it was Jesus. It was stronger to not fight back than it would have been for him to fight back because that was the easy thing. That was the natural thing to do. So I... Right there in my bed, I gave up. I surrendered. I was like, you know what? After I felt like God said that to me, I said, okay, I'm not doing this well. I want what Matt has. I'm giving my life to you. Take my sin from me. I knew all the things to say, but I'd never really wanted to say them to God before. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ that night. I came out of the room and woke and told my friends that they could go to bed. I'm back. He wasn't very happy with me. But then I said, I gave my life to Christ. And then they're all hugging me. They're Like, oh my gosh, we've been praying for you. Anyways, um, so I go back to school that fall and immediately tell Kevin and Stephanie, I'm not going to mess with them anymore. Kevin became one of my best friends by the time we left high school. And two years later, in the exact same spot where I told Stephanie, where she just started crying in the hallway when I told her, two years later, she walked up to me in the same spot because that's where my locker ended up being, right around that general area. And she said, hey, I've been watching you for two years to see if what you're talking about is real. And I believe it is, I'd like to give my life to Jesus. So Stephanie prays to receive Christ in the same spot I apologized to her in. Now go back a little bit, because that was two years later. Right after it happened, I felt like I needed to tell them. I also needed to tell my friend Clint. I wasn't going to be fighting like Matt told me. But then I felt like God said, you know, God, Randy, I mean, excuse me, Matt also told Randy. So you tell Randy and Ricky you're not going to mess with them anymore. And I was like, well, he did tell him that. And then he got punched in the face twice, God. This is a bad plan. Why don't I just show them I'm different and not fight anymore? But that's not what God wanted me to do. He wanted me to tell Randy. So the next time I saw Randy, I walked up to him with the full intention of saying something. And there was something about the way he looked at me that I thought, God, you're going to have to get his heart ready to receive this because he doesn't look happy and I'm not telling him till he looks happy. I saw him again that week and I rationalized again not to talk to Randy about my faith. We get back on a Monday after a long weekend. It may have been a Tuesday. I felt like it was a longer weekend, but it was a long time ago now. Randy's little sister's in my grade And she's just gathering her books from her locker. Her parents are down the hall talking to the principal. All the people around his sister are crying. And I'm like, what's going on? People are like, you didn't hear? Randy killed himself over the weekend. And I can't tell you how small I felt in that moment. But I found a classroom that wasn't being used, and I dropped on my knees, and I was like, God, if you... If you can forgive that, if you can forgive the fact that I said nothing, if you can put Ricky in front of me right now, I'll tell him about how you can save him. And that was an easy and safe prayer because Ricky had switched schools over the summer. I knew I probably wouldn't see him anyway, but I was, I was very upset about what had just happened. I walked out of that room, and back then, you didn't have to check in when you came into a school. You just walked in. I mean, there was no security. This is prior to school shootings and stuff like that. I walk out of that room and Ricky's in the hallway. He just left his school when he heard about it, drove over to comfort his friends from the school he used to go to. And he was there in the hallway. And the look he gave me was like he wanted to just punch me in the face because he knew what I thought of Randy before. He didn't know who I am now. I was like, hey. He's like, what? I was like, Nothing. I walked away. I saw Ricky again the following week at the mall. Started walking towards him. He had a bunch of friends with him. He pointed at me from a distance and said something, and then they all kind of looked mad. So I just kind of went into the gap. I don't shop in the gap. I might have even been looking at girls' pants. I have no idea. I was just trying to wait till they walked past. I was trying to wait for my friends to go to Mindboggle Video Arcade. Um, they used to have those things. Anyways, it was a lot of fun, that kind of stuff. A couple weeks after that, I heard that Ricky as well had taken his life. That whole time I saw him in the mall walking by, the reason he looked miserable, he was miserable. His best friend had taken his life and he had been considering taking his own life as well. And I had no idea that that was going on. God lit a fire under me in that moment where I never want to be in a conversation with somebody, an at-length conversation or I get to know somebody that I don't tell them about the hope that they can have in Jesus Christ. This is way, I'm 42. I was 15 at the time. And I still can't be quiet about the things that God's done in my life. I still can't help but tell you that there's hope. And that the tapestries we try to weave on our own are nothing compared to what God can do in your life. There is no point where you should consider yourself hopeless or a lost cause because God, God has so much planned for you. He loves you so much, so much. In Ephesians chapter two, Paul writes about this, who we are before and who we become in Christ. And it says this in verse four, and we'll put it up on the screen for, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in transgressions. Transgressions are sins. Like when Adam and Eve ate from that tree, we died on the inside. And he's like, I'm going to make you alive again. It is by grace. A great, grace is an undeserved gift, by the way, something we didn't earn. Grace, you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show The incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Jesus Christ. This is kind of a weird statement that he placed us in the heavenlies. Like when I gave my life to Christ, I didn't all of a sudden go, and I'm up in heaven. He's like, it's as good as if you're already with me. That's what my promise is to you. I'm counting you with me for eternity because of this. And then verse 8, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. You don't have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus. You think, you know what? I got to stop doing this and I got to stop this and I got to stop. You don't have to do that. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about the good I can do. It's all about him. It's all about what he has already paid for us on the cross. And this verse that we looked at the other day, for we are God's handiwork, our masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see there was this barrier between us and God before we know Jesus Christ. It talks about it just a couple of verses down from here. It says in verse 14, he for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commands and regulations. All the stuff we couldn't do Like even if you tried to follow the Ten Commandments, like not lying, we've all messed up, not stealing, we've probably all done that, right? You know, honoring our father and mother, boom, boom. Even Jesus even says when it comes to adultery and murder, if you lust in your heart after somebody or you've hated somebody in your heart, it's like killing them or committing adultery with them in your heart. Like all the Ten Commandments, when I start looking at them, I've actually violated like every one of them. And he said, instead of holding us to that, he puts all of that in him and takes care of it. His purpose was to create in him, in himself one new humanity or tapestry, is like we're talking about, out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. We become something completely new in Jesus. Completely new. And God can use you in an amazing way to accomplish the things that he designed for you to do in the first place. Like if you didn't know how to use something and somebody had this this instruction booklet and you're like, "I, I just can't even figure out what this thing does. And they're like, oh, by the way, here's what it does. You'd wanna know about that. Like God knows the blueprints to your soul. He knows exactly how he's created you. And there's this one thing keeping you from him and it's called sin. You might think, well, why doesn't God just say, I forgive you? You ever thought that? Just nod your head if you thought that. Why, why, can't, why do I have to accept anything? Why can't God just say everybody's forgiven? Jesus died on the cross. Therefore, here's the, here's the reason why. The same reason he put that tree in the garden. Without a choice, there is no true love. He wants us to choose him the way he chose us. That he would step out of heaven, a perfect place where he cannot get hurt, where he cannot get sick, where he cannot get injured in any way and become human, to walk in human flesh where he can feel pain, and then to go to a cross for us. You know, one of, the most, one of the most cool things I think about the whole Jesus dying on the cross thing is the night before he died on the cross, he went to a garden to pray. And while he's praying, he said, I'm not praying for the disciples my father's given me. I'm praying for the ones who will one day believe on, their, on the word that they'll speak. That's talking about us. Like Jesus was thinking about people who might accept him one day. And he was praying for us the night before he died. And then 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he became sin for us who never knew any sin so we could become the righteousness of Christ. C.S. Lewis, the guy who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, called this the great exchange. He said he'll take your sin and his perfection and he'll trade the two. That's a lousy trade on Jesus' part, I would think. Why would I want trash? I bring trash to the table. He's like, here's some riches. That doesn't make any sense. But he took on our sin because there's nothing I could do to cover up my sin or to get rid of my sin or anything. But he actually took it on because I was guilty. He became guilty. And then he paid the price for my sin so I could be made new in him. I don't know if you guys have ever thought about that, like to that extent of whether or not you've ever put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and turned from your sin. Because it's not about what you do, it's about what he did. When he says he can give you eternal life, he proved it by raising for the dead. That death has no power over Jesus. And it doesn't have to have any power over you either. That when your body wears out one day, he can take you to be where he is. But it's not about just that. It's not like, okay, I accepted Jesus Christ, so I'm good. See you in heaven, Jesus. It's not about that. Scripture calls it abundant life or life to the full that he gives us. Like, I, I cannot even express to you how my life has been different since I've known Jesus. And no one's ever accused me and been like, looks like Nate doesn't like fun. Like, no one's ever said that to me. He just doesn't like to have fun. That's his problem. He's just one of these Jesus guys, you know? No, like, I, I love to have fun. My life is abundant and it's to the full and stuff still goes wrong in my life, but I've got somebody to walk through it with me because I know Jesus. And that's probably the biggest comfort I have in life is when junk happens, when stuff hits the fan, I've got somebody to walk through it with me. We're gonna do something in just a moment that might seem weird or awkward, and maybe you've been here before. Maybe you've just, you've done this so many times, or you've been here three or four weeks of summer, that you might just go through the motions in a moment. I'm going to beg you not to do that. But to think about every, every moment for the next few minutes. This might be the first conversation that you've had with God in a while. Maybe the first one ever. But examine your heart. Has there ever come a time you've accepted his free gift of grace and allowed him to forgive you of all your sins and to start making you a new creation, to start making you new, to find your true identity. We try to find our identity in almost everything nowadays. And this is what I like, and this is what this and this and this and this, this. But we were made for a purpose and for a reason. And God can help you unlock what that is, but he can't do it with that barrier of sin in, in the way. So he did